Welcome back to the Mental Health Commute with Dr. Walt Duffy and Matt Duffy. This episode, we thought we would tackle out-of-pocket cost in mental health care. Because it seems in a lot of specialties, or at least some specialties, like you go to get eye surgery, Lasix, things done, you really don't think about out-of-pocket cost. You know that you're going to get some results, and you get to see the results pretty quick, almost instantaneously. That does not happen as quickly when you receive some treatments in mental health. But I know people struggle with it. Not only do the patients struggle with it in mental health care, often the providers and the the staff and the treatment center struggle with it too. Are people going to be willing, not only willing to pay, but will they see the value? Because sometimes you have to wait for that value to be shown. I think today we want to address this one because it doesn't seem to be a lot of conversation out there around why out-of-pocket costs exist, how they do affect health care, and why does nobody really talk about it? It's beneficial for everyone to, to put some information out there. To start, maybe we just talk about why are out-of-pocket treatments becoming more prominent in mental health? Well, there are becoming more prominent because, one, more treatments are becoming available. And when you see that happen initially, often, when treatments become available— They're not covered right away sometimes on insurance, or they're not covered as well as like trade name meds, new meds that are out there are not covered as well maybe as older medicines, which we call more generic medicines. And we have new treatments such as TMS, ketamines, bravado, some of these things that are either off-label for FDA, off-label for certain conditions, or they're not fully covered. So even if they are partially covered, there's still some out-of-patient cost to them. In the old days where you would just come to the psychiatrist or the provider, the uh, psychiatric nurse practitioner, PA, and come, and the only thing you'd have is the copay to the office visit, now there's more to it. It's a double-edged sword of the new treatments, right? We're having more options for patients. We have things that are potentially having better outcomes, but it's bringing in a different expectation around who pays for that, how much is it going to cost, all those things to the treatment equation. I think what we want to somewhat explain as much as we can on a (laughs) broad basis today is how the providers are addressing healthcare in this new landscape. You know, one thing that's unique to mental health is cost or a person's finances are often tied to reasons why they may believe that they have issues with their health. If I was just in a better financial position, I wouldn't be depressed. There's this sometimes feeling from providers of, well, if I have to talk about a treatment that costs money, am I just going to worsen that person's outlook on care or their belief in their ability to get better if I don't think they can afford it? Yeah, that is what I sort of refer to. I have to take care of all areas of your life and consider those. If you really think about it when you are talking with a patient, somebody who has mental health issues, it's really not about selling something. It's about here are the options that are open to you. And my goal and my role in that is to talk to you about the options. Now, it might not be my role. I might have somebody else in my office who talks to you about the finances. We'll see if it works for you or not. It's up to me to let you know what those are, and it's up to you to decide whether that's something you believe is would be good for you or not. Now, what we do see in, in people with mental health conditions, whether that's things like severe depression or they're having significant issues, and we've talked about this a little bit, is they often do not feel that they're worthy. 
They don't feel that they're worthy of the treatment. It's sort of interesting. You know, you go to aesthetics to get Botox for your lips or something like that. And, you know, there's not a second thought to paying for that out of pocket because there is no <laughs> insurance to pay for that. Now, you get some pretty instantaneous things, but um, people will do that right away. But when they start looking inside themselves, and it's sort of interesting to me, I will make my outside look really good, even if my inside, I feel crap. If I'm not feeling worthy, do I even bring that up to my family, my spouse? You know, I'm already having struggling at work, hoping I can keep my job, you know, and now you're asking me to maybe fork over some money for these treatments. And I'm thinking about it as, I'm hoping to get you feeling better so you will keep that job. But when you're stuck in the ruts of things like bad depression, a bipolar episode, significant ADHD symptoms, some of these things, all you can think is sort of moment to moment. It is difficult to think more of long term for yourself. Yeah, I think that's an important thing to know, especially for the support system. The person who is receiving treatment may not be capable of making the best decisions around care and finances because of their outlook on what their worth is in treatment. A lot of times it's the support system, their spouse, their parents, someone like that who comes in and says, no, this treatment is something that we need to do for you. If you're not informed of the options of the health care of your family or your friend, if you're their main support person and and having a different conversation around it, those people are missing out on opportunities because they're not viewing the situation in a clear manner. The other thing I think you hit on that is really important for me when I look at healthcare is when we look at a, a person, do you want to be informed as a patient or do you not want to be informed? And is your healthcare something that you want to know options of or do you want to not be aware of something? I remember a story from a provider out in, they were in California and they treated someone from, for TMS who came from another office who also offered TMS. And I said, oh, that's interesting. Why would a provider send you a patient if they did the treatment in their office? They said, oh, they didn't send us the patient. The patient's spouse finally went in to the office with them and they walked by and saw this TMS chair. And the, the spouse asked the doctor, oh, what is that thing? And the doctor got all excited and said, oh, it's this great new thing. It treats depression. It's got great results. And this person's spouse had been dealing with depression for a long time and not getting better. So they said, well, why have you not brought this up to us? Why are we not informed of this? And the provider just told him, oh, you can't afford it. I didn't talk to you about it because your finances won't allow it. And, of course, they were like, well, you don't know everything. So so they weren't going to continue treatment there. And they could afford this service, so they found it somewhere else. And I think that's sometimes where, in my experience, providers get a blind eye in the finances is it's not always the person, right? Sometimes it's their support network that actually comes in to support them during those times. From a a patient perspective, I think there needs to be some understanding of the fears providers have in bringing up some of these treatments to you. Maybe you can walk through a little bit of, as a provider, why do you see there are concerns out there of offering these new treatments to patients, especially if you know that they're going to be an out-of-pocket cost? Oftentimes, I'll just talk about my experience. One, and we've touched on this, is you do not want to make the patient worse, right? So I bring up something to you, and even if you want to do it and you can't, oh, now I, I feel like I've placed an added burden on you, okay? So That's one, but that's a perception in my mind, right? I'm worried that I'm going to do that. 
Another roadblock is really psychiatry, mental health, overall training is sort of different from other specialties. Most of us going through residency training, we're never exposed to anything but medicines and therapy. I mean, that's really it. I am older. So they really, even a, a lot of the newer treatments, some of the med schools training programs, they do not even have some of these things available to offer, or they're maybe in the fellowship phase of the, the training. People are not coming out exposed to how to have even those conversations with people. And we hear a lot about, I feel like I'm being asked to sell something all of a sudden. That's interesting. We do not feel that way about medicines, like bringing up a medicine and treatment. That's selling something. You're asking the patient to go on something. Yes, you have more th options to choose from in that medicine realm. And then we get into, is it covered by insurance? Is it not covered by insurance? And I think it's different for law providers because some of these out-of-pocket costs that we have for treatments, if you're working in a, a practice that accepts insurance, then you have patients who are coming because they're using their insurance. And then you're saying, now I'm asking you not to use your insurance or it's going to cost more. Even though you can use your insurance for part of it, it's still going to cost you some out-of-pocket. And we know insurance costs, even out-of-pocket deductibles and things are, are going up, correct? I think those all play a role in it. And also, I think the other part is you bring that up and that extends the visit, right? For example, I had a patient just the other day that was referred by someplace. They'd already approved the TMS, but the patient really had not been educated about what TMS was. So they drove two hours to come to the appointment, new patient appointment. And we sat down, we talked, and I said, well, I, I take it maybe you've already decided you want to do this for depression. The person also had PTSD, which we often see in anxiety. And the person goes, well, no, I, I've been through a lot of treatments that have failed. What is this? And tell me why it might not fail. What are the odds that it might work? And I'm really up in the air about doing any more treatments because I had to go through a lot of meds, therapy, and I'm still really depressed, right? And anxious. So we had that conversation. I always tell people when I have things like that, you don't have to decide today, you know, I'm going to tell you the options. The biggest thing is you're in control, right? I would like you to come back and have another conversation. I gave websites to go to, the research, and it really is not about selling. It's about explaining what other options and why might not have other things worked, but why might these other options that we're bringing up to you, why might they work? You know, it's interesting if we talk about knees, you know, people will go and, okay, go do physical therapy. Well, that's not really helping my knee. The next step, we're going to put injections into your knee, right? We're going to see if that will work. And you're going to get those steroid injections maybe every three months. So we're going to do that. Okay, we do that. Well, we think there might be a nerve. So we're going to try this spinal stimulator thing. And we're going to put that on. And we're going to see if that works. And that is, you know, a next step up. And, you know, your insurance might cover it. It might not. We'll go through this. Okay, well, you know, I'd like to be able to walk. So will you do something? So... We do that. And all those fail. And so we've gone through, what, three treatments there? I know you're only like 52. But you really need a knee replacement. Well, I don't really want a knee replacement. Well, we've done those. You might not want it, but, you know, we've done all the conservative things. And I'd like you to be able to walk. And the more you walk like that on that knee, you're putting extra pressure on your other knee. So let's have a conversation. Well, is it covered by insurance? But say it's, it's not. Are you working? Are you not working? Is that going to limit that? What are you doing with the... The kids, the grandkids, and people give those options to people, right? It's really no different. 
And we're talking about one knee versus your whole brain, you know, that operates this whole system. This is what's really interesting to me. If we could just take your brain and put it outside your head and have you hold it and carry it around with you a little bit, I think we would have a much easier time of getting people to pay for some of these things. If you're walking around with your brain and it has a, you know, we had this Likert scale of faces in our TMS room. The Likert scale is, you know, one, I'm, I'm really depressed. So it's a really sad frown, a different color. And then you get all the way up to 7 to the 10 where you have a bright, smiley face, yellow, big smile. Just think if you were walking around with your brain and it looked like you felt. And you can't do Botox for that brain, you know. But you have these other things where you can make it look like really bright and yellow like the other people that are happy. Because other people would now see how you really feel, right? If you have a pretty brain or a sad brain, it would be a different conversation. A person who's seeking care or someone in that network, somewhat you have to decide for yourself. Do you want presented to you what standard or do you want to initiate the conversation of, I want to know my options. And I want to know at this moment in time, what's really the best option? And then you can evaluate for yourself whether or not the financial side or the the life impacts like TMS, you do have to come to the office every day. It's different than a med that you don't have to have that. So there are other things that come in that you have to decide. But the first decision is, do you want to be informed? And if you want to be informed, you really need to let your provider know that you don't want them to have all their fears about bringing something up to you at this time, that it's okay. (laughs) You need to reassure them maybe a little bit and initiate the conversation of how you want your provider to inform you of your options. Well, interestingly, glad you brought that up because you're right. If you're going to use insurance, like for TMS, transcranial magnetic stimulation, you have to come in every day. If you're not using insurance and you're self-pay, say you're having to drive or really is cumbersome, I can modify your treatment schedule. So I might only need you to come in once or twice a week because I can do multiple treatments in a day. So I can really modify things and get the similar outcomes. But you're right. You make my job so much easier if you come in and say, you know, I've looked around myself a little bit. And this is what's been great about social media. There's a lot of information out there. And I would like to explore this. Well, insurance might not pay for that. That's not what I asked you. I asked you, you know, is this like something we can explore? Is this a treatment option for me? Is this something you even offer? With that, I think we'll wrap up this episode. And if people would like us to talk more about this, we'd be happy. I mean, there's so many things to talk about, whether it's just out-of-pocket costs for medications and how does that do, prior authorizations. Oh, my gosh, that's a topic to itself. Thank you for catching us on this episode of the Mental Health Commute. Well, I want to say compute, folks, so uh, we're just going to leave that blooper in there.